It's the Hoffman Show on the Team 980, always live as well on the free Odyssey app. Coming up at 6 o'clock, Ben Standig of The Athletic joins the show, talking commanders, poor Dave Johnson at 6.15. Uh, we'll get to never read the comments in just a moment, but Anthony, is it just me or did the AC just kick on? Did it do the thing? Uh, I, I think cold? your spidey senses are telling you it did the thing, and they are correct because it is cold. Yeah, it just got real cold. Yeah, I got you. All right. Uh, well, first, before we, we adjust the air conditioning, let's hit the fancy open. We tried to warn them. They didn't listen. Yeah! Every week, the Hoffman Show goes into the belly of the beast. We read those comments, baby! Never read the comments. We do read the comments from YouTube at Craig Hoffman, at the Team 980, at 1067 The Fan, every Wednesday at 5.30. Subscribe uh, if you are streaming the show live on YouTube right now on the Team 980, or of course, if you're watching this later on demand at Craig Hoffman, the button's right there. If you're listening to this live on the radio, we have a YouTube page at Craig Hoffman, at the Team 980, either one. Uh, you can find highlights of the show, and then you comment on them, and then every Wednesday we collect the comments that we think are most worthwhile responding to. Not necessarily the best, not necessarily the worst, just ones that are thought-provoking, uh, but I also respond to a ton of them actually on YouTube, but we pull the best and we talk about them here on the radio. And Anthony, we're going to start very big picture. Like the biggest of picture. Uh, this from Pierre De Silva 2156, uh, six days ago. So this is, this is admittedly before the Thanksgiving Day Massacre. However, uh, Craig, technically you're probably right about our chances of a postseason, but nobody wants to even hear about our odds. We will watch week to week and enjoy... Whatever comes out of it, there will be some fruit of our devotion. It could be some record Sam Howell set or a cool addition to the team. I guess when you said the season is over for us, it struck a nerve, and I thought about what the commanders have in store. Well, the commanders don't even know, but I will be there. Not saying you're wrong. Just need to be a little diplomatic as to not dash our hopes, even for little things. Um, I... I don't know what to tell you if you got, and obviously this was before the Dallas game, but if you still have hope for playoffs, I admire your optimism. I admire your ability to say, hey, it might be a 2% chance or whatever, but it's 2%. I'm going to hold on. And I'm certainly not telling you because this is something that I brought up in, in response to this when I responded on YouTube. I'm certainly not telling you not to listen. I'm certainly not telling you not to watch the games. I'm certainly not telling you not to listen to the coverage. Ultimately, it's my job slash our jobs to make sure the coverage is still interesting. I can't help what happens on the field during the game. Uh, but I we can talk about what it means. We can talk about what's next. We can talk about what went wrong. Like We'll find ways to be entertaining. Or we'll make silly jokes and do funny bits. And, you know, we'll make, we'll make the hours of four to seven every single day as enjoyable as we can. But... Me saying that there's no chances at the playoffs doesn't mean that you can't still enjoy the season or watch the games. Like, don't let don't let me relaying uh, mathematical, uh, you know, mathematical formula outcomes. The chances that they make the playoffs are not good. Uh, ruin your fun. Like, people can still watch the games, Ant. I'm still going to watch the games because you never know what's going to happen. Football is fun. Sports are fun. But that doesn't mean the season's not over. 
Yeah, I mean, I still think there's some excitement to be had about this. Like, we still want to see what Sam does. For we sure. want to see, you know, if Terry can make some, you know, late season uh, plays where he, he can be an, uh, another pro bowler. Um, things of that. Like, we still want to watch just for the heck of it. Um, but I'm not going to not watch the games. Like, yeah, every like, Sunday is a new game. Like, I'm excited to watch the Dolphins as well, you know. Granted, it comes at the expense of them putting yeah. up 40, 50 points on my team. But, you know, yeah, you're have, excited to watch. It's the most any given Sunday league in the world. I mean, truly, like, you know, obviously anything can happen any given night in the NBA. But it, part of that is like the schedule and there's 82 games, whatever. Um, but really, you know, at the, when the games are this regimented, um, when there's this much strategy involved, to still have this much randomness is kind of crazy. At the same time, like they've played it. We're not in we're not in October anymore. Like we're damn near in December. So reality check, it is what it is. Um, and we can we can see what's left and then talk about what it means for the future. But I was like, oh, what, are you mad at me? I'm just don't shoot the messenger. I'm just the messenger for the math and the reality. Uh I thought this one was interesting. Um, plenty of, of comments on overreaction Tuesday with Linnell yesterday and some of the other discussions that I have with Logan this week, we put take command clips up on the YouTube page as well. And I think there's kind of this overwhelming thought about some of the mental side of the game, of the sport, of the franchise. And um, Anthony, I meant to have you pull the J. Cole lyric here, uh, but off to another world, 7434 says, don't save them. They don't want to be saved. And, I'm, and I really wish I had remembered to tell you to pull that J. Cole, don't save her. You know, yeah. If you know, you know. If not, then me singing didn't help you. Uh, the point is, uh, don't save them. They don't want to be saved. Speaking of the softness of some of the players on this squad, a leader should not ha- not change a successful style for one or two. Those one or two or even more need to either buy in or shut the heck up and move on when they get a chance. They're clearly poor followers. On the other hand, I wonder if this leak comes indirectly from Ron. Kime is the only reason I'm even considering this. We all know Ron. I don't know what Kime has to do with anything. Uh, we all know Ron said something to this effect a while ago. He ended up giving a written apology. We know Logan and Leno's complained. We do? Sure. I, off to another world. Seems to know a lot. Uh, we've heard Cosme question the play calling as it relates to running the ball more. That is true. I just think these players are so used to dysfunction that they themselves become dysfunctional. It is time for a reboot. The problem with that is it might take a while to sweep that toxic losing mindset out. I do believe some of the players on this team are okay with losing. Rookies come in and see that. Eventually, it does become a job. Job Code for I'm just here for the bag where winning is absolutely secondary. I think there are a lot of good points in this that are framed in a way that I hate. Um, I do not, as a rule question the motives and motivations and mindsets of people who are performing at the literal highest levels of a thing that we all would love to do if any of us could be playing in the nfl if we were talented enough to do it we would and and the thing about talented people is they have levels that they can work at that are just beyond what most people can sure there's natural gifts of athleticism and strength and speed and power but they then take those gifts and they they really work most of them extraordinarily hard to get to whatever level they're at. And they might work really hard and be, and I'll pick on Logan because Logan would be the first guy to tell you, Logan maximized every ounce of athletic ability he had 
to become a third string tight end in the NFL. Like, he's still better than 99.97% of every dude that's ever played tight end on the planet. Like, Logan was elite, but he was a, you know, a blocking third string tight end who, if he had been, like, I'll put it this way, and Logan, you know, can't get mad at me for this because he knows it's correct. If Logan had to be a every down starting tight end, he wouldn't have been a very good one. Like, that's just, he wasn't fast enough. He wasn't explosive enough. We were making a, talking about a play the other day, and it was like, you know, one person ran, a, we were talking about a, a, a CO concept, a corner out. Um, and he's like, I always ran the out because I wasn't fast enough to run the corner. Like, that's the reality. Now, to be clear, Logan Paulson in his playing days was six foot five, 265 to 275 pounds, and ran a sub 540. He, by any stretch of the imagination that is not NFL athlete, is a physical freak who was not big, fast, or strong enough to be a starting tight end in the NFL. Like, so when we're talking about this level of skill, this level of dedication, I do not like the, oh, it becomes just a job, loser mentality, this. I think it is on coaches and players to find ways to work together. They're all adults. And I think it's more on the coaches, especially as the league gets younger, than the players to adapt and get the most out of the talent because the talent is what shifts year to year and you know it's it's up to them there's only a limited number of guys who can who can play at this level by the same token i also won't judge the end of seasons because anthony i've been around locker rooms long enough i did the reporter thing for long enough by the end of the season do like everybody knows these guys know see the standings they know the score. Doesn't mean they're not trying hard on Sundays, but like they're human beings. There's going to be human nature and how people act and react to certain things when you've lost a bunch of games is not going to be everyone's best. And there's going to be people that disagree with how things are done. And when you're when you're losing and you've lost a bunch, they might have some good points. Even if some of their individual play at times could have been a reason why you're losing. So it's just too multi, and this is like a, cr a classic me take. I know, oh, it's gray area, it's nuanced, but it is. Like, there's a lot of different reasons why things have gone sideways and south for the commanders this season, and to try to pin it all on one thing or to say, like, oh, it's a bunch of losers. Like, no. You could have a, a, a refreshed energy for a new coaching staff that comes in, puts these players in better positions schematically, teaches them the details they need to do better, and a lot of these same players, I think, could be a part of a winning roster next year. We'll get more on that in just a second. It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980, always live as well on the free Odyssey app. Uh, taking a look at the comments. Never read the comments. They say we don't listen uh, here on a Wednesday. Jim McGee, 5583, says, I'm going to comment on the training camp schedule. I recall that his, talking about Eric Bieniemy here, uh, in reaction to the discussion Linnell and I had yesterday. Uh, I'm going to comment on the training camp schedule. I recall that EB's new schedule showed them to be much more effective with their time. They ran twice as many plays. They got things done. Expectations were set. Results were not achieved. But we looked much better in the beginning of the season than we had looked in the past. I don't think there's any doubt that they are better this year offensively and that they got off to a better start offensively than they have in years past. But comparing it to years past, specifically the last three, 
where Scott Turner led very mediocre to bad offenses is uh, not really that much to be proud of. It's like, you're not, what are you actually bragging about? Um, and I think there's also something to the wear and tear, not the wear and tear, but like the, I think there's some guys that did, that weren't really ready for that, to be honest. And I think it hurt them. I think a guy like Jahan Dotson took some weeks to get his legs back underneath him. Um, that, that training camp was much harder than anything he had done. And, you know, he didn't prepare for that. He didn't understand what it meant to be prepared for that. And if he had to do it again next year, he'll be a lot more ready. And you just don't know what you don't know because that's part of being a young player in the NFL. Um, I also think that for all those plays they ran, they never developed a consistent run game. So that seems to be an issue um, and how it's cropped up this year. Um, but yeah, like I like a lot of what they did. I like the long drive drills. I like I like a lot of that stuff. But at the end of the day, it hasn't worked. And I also wonder what kind of effect that had on the defense because the defense did not start fast. Not only did they not start fast, they never had their midseason turn after they didn't start fast. So, you know, yes, offensively, they look better. I think Biennemi's way clearly works. I think, obviously, Biennemi's way can work because Biennemi's way is Andy Reid's way, and the Chiefs' defense has been sick this year. They've had a bunch of other good defenses in the past. Andy Reid's been to NFC and AFC Championship games on the regular in Philly and here, or Philly and uh, in KC. So... Yeah, there's definitively a method there that works. But did it work for this team? Or is is that something that like, okay, that wasn't the problem. Um, I think I'd probably lean towards that. Uh, and the, but I think there's other scheduling things that have maybe ticked players off, whether they've had an actual um, win or loss impact, I think is a different story. Just because players are mad about something doesn't mean it's the reason that they lost. It just means they're losing. And oh, by the way, the players are mad. Um, speaking of training camp, Mr. BRD09. This is one of my favorite uh, chuckle comments of the week, Anthony. Uh, Mr. BRD09 says, how were they so, talking about the defense, how were they so far ahead of the offense according to reporters watching camp? Anthony, when was training camp? Training camp was uh, late July, early August. What month is it now? We are days away from December, but late November. Is everything in the world the same as it was in late July, early August? No, it is not, sir. Mm. What year <laughs> in the system are they defensively? Four. Four. What year are they in the system offensively? Uno, one. Do I need to connect the dots or do you think people will get it? I think people got it. Okay. Just, you know, I got to make sure. Yeah. Here for the people. Uh, at Oh, no, I scrolled down. Back to the comments. Here we go. All right. Uh, at PCC1901, uh, Hoffman's still holding on to the lie that he and everyone told themselves to begin the season. Coming in hot here. Uh, namely, there's, quote, lots of talent on the roster. You need minimum 3-0 line. Cosby and Stromberg seem okay. Leno is a high-end backup at this point. That's just factually incorrect. He's a average to below-average starter, um, which maybe you say high-end backup, but, like, whatever. Um, a whole new tight end room. Some speed at running back. You'll need a wide receiver. Three, you'll need several edge guys. Uh, I, a whole new linebacker room. Two corners, a new safety. Outside of defensive tackle and wide receiver, we have no solid starters. I think, I talked about this last week, but like we have jumped the shark on both 
underrating some of the talent that is here and understanding that you don't get to have a great player at every position. Like, some positions you just need to have fine, solid starters. And I know this is going to break people's brains, but, like, I think Cody Barton or Jamin Davis could be a solid starter. I would like to have a stud at the other linebacker position, and I do think being under understaffed at linebacker has been a problem for the entirety of the Rivera era, in part because they've moved Jamin around a ton and asked him to do stuff that is not necessarily in his wheelhouse. But if you can go get a stud middle linebacker and put him with Jamin, Jamin can be better. Like, I think that's a really good room all of a sudden. Or if you get a stud weak side linebacker or Jamin develops next year into one in a in a different system, like Cody can be fine considering linebacker is a position that has been incredibly de-emphasized around the league because a lot of it is dependent on your D-line in front of you. Yes, they need to go find a stud defensive end. They would have liked to keep Montez Sweat, not at that price, and the, the Bears offered a crazy draft pick for him. So you go use that draft pick on a much cheaper, almost as good as Montez Sweat, edge guy, and you're fine, or you spend a lot of money on a guy with more pass rush juice, a la Brian Burns from Carolina. Fine, you got to do that. Cam Curl's a good football player. Quan Martin, I still think, could be a good football player if you'd stop asking him to do 78, you know, 11 jobs. Like, just have the dude play safety or play nickel. Okay, well, there's there's one of those spots solved. Not to mention, like, Percy Butler's not a bad football player. He's been overexposed this year. But here's the thing that people like this commenter get so wrong. Players grow year over year. You're not the same player in 2024 as you are in 2023. And with better coaching, you can actually make a pretty significant jump if you have a great position coach. Because that guy can help clarify things for you mentally and allow your physical talent to shine. So a Derek Forrest, a Percy Butler can be a much better player and hopefully they make less of some of the mistakes that they've made this year that have been some of the issues. Um, They also just could become better football players because they have another year of experience and you know, this is the same as anyone in any job. And this is, to, uh, I would also say, like, I would assume Biennemi is a better full-time play caller next year, here or elsewhere, because he's got a year of experience. And then an off-season to review his work and get incrementally better. Not that you'll be a totally different person. You don't go from, like, you know, the, the 40th best safety in the league to the first best safety. But could you go from 40th to 28th? Yeah, and if you go, if, if your other guy, if you're Cam, and, you know, all of a sudden you go from 17th to 8th, well, if you go from, and I'm just making up these numbers, but if, if Percy's the 40th or Forrest is the 40th and you go from 40 to 28 and 17 to 8, all of a sudden that's a pretty good safety room. I think Emmanuel Forbes is probably going to be just fine. I have questions about certain matchups. I don't see what happens with A.J. Brown next year, but like by and large, I think Emmanuel Forbes is going to be just fine. So the idea that like you need a, a, a zillion new players that nobody's good just belies the fact that this is a young team that will improve. And if the goal is solid at a lot of these positions, I think they have guys that can do that. They do need a bunch of studs. It's my biggest gripe with Rivera's uh, player personnel. The best player on the team when he took over the team was either John or Terry. And the best player now is either John or Terry. And both those guys, by the way, are having probably the worst years of their careers. So how can you get better stud level players at some key positions, including edge, 
I would like a stud left tackle just because I think Leno's like you can you can pass with Leno. What happens if you excel at that position and get like a stud young tackle? What if you get a stud tight end in the second round? Like these are the kinds of things that I would like to see this team do. So I'm not endorsing the current roster as is. All I'm saying is if you think that there is no talent here, you've swung too far the other direction. You're just wrong. And you're especially wrong going into next year when some of the talent that's here now will be better because that's how young talent works. Uh, speaking of, question uh, for Craig Logan. This was on uh, Take Command from Mark Harris, 1976. How does the staff uh, go to the players who are young for the most part and simplify without starting over? Uh, that kind of in conjunction with uh, Doug, we or Doug Weingar 01. Can't do much until the new head coach comes in and decides to run 3-4 or 4-3, right? In terms of changing the defense this year. You can do a lot of stuff different. And I'm going to I'm gonna overcomplicate this on purpose, so everybody hold on to your seats. The point is that it's complicated, right? The point here is that this is complicated. Let's say you're the nickel, and the call initially is cover three. So if you're the nickel in a cover three, like a base regular cover three, draw it up on Madden zone, you are the hook player or the flat player, depending on which variation you're playing, probably actually the flat player um in the in the four underneath defenders so your job is to run out towards the flat you're supposed you know if the running back goes out there you got to make sure you make i'm gonna make that tackle if there's any outbreaking routes towards that flat you're, they're on you um all that stuff you're on top of it but let's say if it's four by one you automatically are checking to cover four okay well now i got a different responsibility or if it's empty now we're playing man uh okay well i got to remember that Let's say uh, it's it's a match scheme, and if number two, so the wide receiver that's second in, uh, runs a seam route or runs runs up the sideline uh, on a wheel, you've got to match that. Uh, so that's something else you have to remember. But that's only if he lines up inside the numbers, whether it's in a stack or a bunch or just that's where he lines up. Uh, if, if he's in a, a wider position, uh, whatever or out inside whatever seven yards let's say let's make it really complicated you don't even get a field marker you got to kind of do the math um if they line up in like a stack outside wide you don't have to worry about that um and again these are all hypotheticals but these are the kinds of things that they've asked them to do in this defense and oh by the way you also have a run fit and you have to make sure that oh god that guy just went in motion which gap do i have again because i had the c gap but now i have it gets very complicated so what Ron can do and will do is be like, we are running cover three. Uh, your run fit is you have the D gap and you are playing the flat. Go play. And that might not account for that wheel route up the sideline where, you know, you, you have two players attacking one zone or whatever other route. I probably picked a bad example with a wheel route and cover, cover three, but... The point is, like, you might not have the perfect answer because you're not matching the route concepts. You're not doing some of the stuff that you would theoretically do. But what you are doing is making it easier to play fast and simplifying, and that's what they can do now. And I think that will get us a better evaluation on these players moving forward. And then it's up to the next staff to try to find the balance of complexity to have the best answers and simplicity to allow people to play fast. That is... Never read the comments for today. 
You can leave your comments at Craig Hoffman, at the Team 980, and at 1067 The Fan on the full episodes of Take Command. We get back here on the Hoffman Show. Ben Standig joins us talking GM candidates, and The Athletic just put out a mock draft. Yeah, we're doing it next.